blindness are unnecessary, that they're ineffective, that they're meaningless, they have no purpose to them. That that little thing you do for your neighbor, that that little touch of kindness you do for for uh, the person next to you in the, the cubicle next to yours, or the student, they're walking down the hallway and you see somebody drop their books and you stop and you help pick up all that stuff and help them get to class on time. That those Don't let anybody tell you that those things don't matter because these little good deeds pile up. These little good deeds pave the way so that someone else can understand just a little bit better what the love of God is about. My Bible school class has been studying the book of Ephesians. And I found it very interesting, as we were finishing chapter 1, in that part of the letter, Paul begins sharing a long prayer of his on their behalf, and it continues all the way, really, the thoughts of this prayer from chapter 1, verse 17, all the way to the end of chapter 3, verse 20, 21. At the beginning of Paul's prayer, he mentioned God's power. And he says in in verse 19 of chapter 1, that God has this incomparably great power. In fact, you can't find words in Greek to to really express how great this power is. And at the end of his prayer thoughts, which is down in chapter 3, verse 20, he says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is is at work within us. (laughs) Here's this incomparably great power. Here's this power that is beyond what we could ask beyond what we could even imagine in our greatest imagination. He says, think of that kind of power. can't be equaled anywhere. And God chooses to make that power work within us, inside of us. I find it interesting that right in the middle of these verses is Ephesians 2.10, where God says, you're God's workmanship. He He prepared this day in advance. He was thinking eons ago, that someday in America, in Manassas, Virginia, in the, wherever you may live, that God is going to have people that love him, that, that, that want to serve him, that want to show Jesus to others. And God is preparing ahead so that when the time comes and somebody drops their books or somebody needs a little helping hand or somebody's dis- discouraged or, or somebody just needs a, a neighbor to come alongside them, that God's people would step up and say, well, we're here. We know why we're here. We know what we're about. We're here to show you God's love. And they do it in a humble, uh, in a a way that just puts the, the emphasis on God, not on them. If we are God's poem, if we are God's workmanship, we have to remember that God can make whatever he wants to make. That God can do whatever he wants to do. He has that power. He can write whatever story he wants to write. And we need to remember God's power which he demonstrates in us. What do you believe God's capable of? What do you think God can do? Do you think that God can do anything he wants to do? Well, I do. I think God can do whatever he wants. And we just we, we fail because we limit him, we discount him, and we say, God, uh, you may use somebody else, but you're not, you're not going to be able to use me. I can't imagine using me. And he wants all along, he's prepared ahead of time, that his power would flow through you, flow through your neighbor, flow through your brother or sister in Christ. An American nurse named Helen Rosevere worked for years in the arid plains of Africa as a nurse. It was a, it was a really difficult situation. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have running water. 
they're operating this hospital and orphanage there, and it was really hard. And this is her story. I just want to share it with you. One night, she said, I worked hard to help a mother in the labor ward, but in spite of all we could do, she died, leaving us with a tiny, premature baby and a crying two-year-old daughter. We knew we would have difficulty keeping the baby alive as we had no incubator, no electricity to run an incubator, and no special feeding facilities. Although we lived on the equator, nights were often chilly with treacherous drafts. One student midwife went for the box we had for such babies and the cotton wool the baby would be wrapped in. Another went to stoke up the fire and fill a hot water bottle. She came back shortly in distress to tell me that in filling the bottle, it had burst. Rubber perishes easily in tropical climates, and it is our last water bottle, she exclaimed. As in the West, it is no good crying over spilled milk, so in Central Africa, it might be considered no good crying over burst water bottles. They do not grow on trees, and there are no drugstores down forest pathways. All right, I said, put the baby as near the fire as you safely can. Sleep between the baby and the door to keep it free from drafts. Your job is to keep the baby warm. The following noon, as I did most days, I went to have prayers with any of the orphanage children who chose to gather with me. I gave the youngsters various su suggestions of things to pray about and told them about the tiny baby. I explained our problem about keeping the baby warm enough, mentioning the hot water bottle. The baby could so easily die if it got chills. I told them of the two-year-old sister crying because her mother had died. During the prayer time, one ten-year-old girl named Ruth prayed with the usual blunt conciseness of our African children. Please, God, she prayed, send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow, God, as the baby will be dead. So please send it this afternoon. <laughs> while I gasped inwardly at the audacity of her prayer, she added by way of corollary, and while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so she'll know you really love her? As often with children's prayers, I was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen? I just did not believe that God could do this. <laughs> Oh yes, I know that he can do everything. The Bible says so, but there are limits, aren't there? The only way God could answer this particular prayer would be by sending me a parcel from the homeland. I had been in Africa for almost four years at that time, and I had never, ever received a parcel from home. Anyway, if anyone did send me a parcel, who would put in a hot water bottle? I lived on the equator. Halfway through the afternoon, while I was teaching in the nurses' training school, a message was sent that there was a car at my front door. By the time I reached home, the car had gone, uh, but there on the veranda was a large 22-pound parcel. I felt tears pricking my eyes. I could not open the parcel alone, so I sent for the orphanage children, and together we pulled off the string, carefully undoing each knot. We folded the paper, taking care not to tear it unduly. Excitement was mounting. Some 30 or 40 pairs of eyes were focused on the large cardboard box. From the top, I lifted out brightly colored knitted jerseys. Eyes sparkled as I pulled them out. Then there were the knitted bandages for the leprosy patients, and the children looked a little bored. Then came a box of mixed raisins and sultanas, but that would make a nice batch of buns for the weekend. And then as I put my hand in again, I felt, could it really be? I grasped it and pulled it out. Yes, a brand new rubber hot water bottle. I cried. I had not asked God to send it. I had not truly believed that he could. Ruth was in the front row of the children. <laughs> she rushed forward crying out, Well, if God has sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly too. <laughs> Rummaging down to the bottom of the box, she pulled out the small, beautifully dressed dolly. Her eyes shone. She had never doubted 
looking up at me. She said, can I go over with you, Mommy, and give this dolly to that little girl so she'll know that Jesus really loves her? That parcel had been on the way for five whole months. Packed up by my former Sunday school class whose leader had heard and obeyed God's prompting to send a hot water bottle even to the equator. And one of the girls had put in a dolly for an African child five months before in answer to the believing prayer of a 10-year-old to bring it that afternoon. God put that package together five months earlier so that that baby could be saved and that little girl could be comforted in the loss of her mother. What can God do in your life? What could God do if we believed, if we trusted, if we knew that beforehand that he prepared a way, that his desire, that we would be his workmanship, that he would use our daily lives, our jobs, our schools, our homes, our communities, our neighborhoods, our families, and he would say, in that, just live life. But I've prepared the way that you could do good works. And you could show my love and you could make a difference eternally in the lives of people who are lost without Jesus. George Mueller, you may have heard of, George Mueller was a man that believed in God, believed what God could do. He was born in Prussia, 1805, a long time ago. His father was a collector of taxes and George seemed to inherit his father's ability with numbers, with figures. But when Mueller was converted to Christ, he was impressed by how many times Jesus said we should ask for God's help, even for things that seem impossible. He kept saying over and over again, ask, seek, and knock. At this point in Mueller's life, he and his wife launched into a daring experiment. First, they gave away all of their household goods. The next step was even more daring. He refused all regular salary from the small mission he had been serving. He then set out to establish an orphanage to care for the homeless children of England. Their first children's home was dedicated in a rented building on April 21, 1836, and within a matter of days, 43 orphans were being cared for. Mueller and his co-workers decided their experiment would be set up with the following guidelines. They wanted to make sure, listen to these guidelines, that they were trusting only in God. Number one, no funds would ever be solicited. When asked any people for money. Secondly, no debts would ever be incurred. They wouldn't borrow money. Thirdly, no money contributed for a specific purpose would ever be used for any other purpose. Fourthly, all accounts would be audited annually. Fifthly, there would be no ego pandering by the publication of donors' names. I'm going to put the list of people and how much they gave. Sixth, no prominent people would ever be sought for the board or to advertise the institution. Don't put a big name person so that it draws attention. Number seven, the success of the orphanage would be measured not by the numbers served or by the amount of money taken in, but by God's blessing on the work, which Mueller expected to be in direct proportion to the time spent in prayer. George Mueller not only counted on, God's, on God to provide, but he believed that God would provide abundantly. And for over 60 years, he and his wife, his staff, recorded every specific prayer request and the results of those prayer requests. Mueller was responsible for the care of 9,500 orphans during his life. These children never went without a meal. Mueller never asked for help from anyone but God. Seven 
$1.5 million came to his ministry over the course of his lifetime. And he vows that it was all an answer to prayer. So we think about the good works that God does every day at our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our families. I want us to just pause as we go into the, uh, the rest of this day, the rest of this holiday weekend, and into the fall season where so much is going to just crank up now, and, and we're going to get busy, and we're going to maybe forget. I want to spend some time in prayer. I want to spend some time in prayer asking that God would just do what he has in mind to do. He's prepared in advance to do. We are his workmanship. Can we get in line with that? Can we believe that? That his power is available, that his power wants to flow through us. And we just take time to pray together. So would you just find a, a position of prayer, maybe something that where you wouldn't be distracted, don't think about anybody around you. Close your eyes if that helps. Kneel if it helps. Stand if it helps. I don't, I don't care. Find a place uh, that you could just pray right now with us. And you will not think about anything but God. Let's pray. Father, we uh, just are so, so uh, taken back by your word. For centuries, it has been your dream that we, your people, your children, would just serve other people. That we would, we would do good works. It sounds too simple. It sounds too mundane. Too boring. God, this is your plan. This is what you want to see happen. We, we bow to you today. And, and we, just, we just say, God, we're available. We have jobs. We have school. We have families. We have friends. We have homes, neighborhoods, communities. We have a church. We have a congregation. Uh, we have so many opportunities as we're out in this community. Uh, maybe just buying something in a store. Maybe having uh, somebody to our house for some, some service that they perform. Uh, fixing something or uh, whatever. Just so many interactions there, Lord. Your desire is that we, your people, would serve other people with your love. That we would show that love by what we do with our hands, uh, with our abilities. Lord, I pray for your blessing upon your people here. Uh, as we share in this Labor Day weekend, that we would catch a new vision of what your purpose is, what you're trying to do. And that we wouldn't play this game of one thing is more important than another. And if we can't get up and preach, if we can't get up and sing a song, if we can't do something special like that that everyone else will see. If, it, if it, what we do is behind the scenes and nobody even hardly knows about it, don't let us play that game that that's unimportant. That's ineffective. Because everything that is offered to you is a gift back to you for what you first gave us. And that that we do for someone else can make a huge difference even for eternity, not just for the next few minutes. Uh, Lord, bless us. Bless us as we go into this fall season. Uh, some have started school. The rest will start this week. Uh, some have uh, been on vacation and uh, even some are still gone this weekend. But I just pray all of us uh, will we'll tune our hearts to you 
And we will ask you to use our lives in ways that you've never used them before, that we would have the trust of that little 10-year-old as she prayed for a hot water bottle and a dolly. Uh, That we would have, eventually, the trust of a George Mueller as we see time and time again that you come through. You never fail. And your desire is to let your power work in us and through us. Lord, uh, bless us and uh, use us to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song together and invite you to stand while we sing. Let's continue uh, looking for God's uh, wisdom and leadership in our lives as we do that.